We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NFL draft is finally over, Mark Stopa, so rookie drafts are starting in Dynasty Fantasy Football. I've had a couple people already click, draft has begun with no clock, so we really need to figure out who our top 12 Dynasty rookies are going to be here, and this is a live exercise. Like I, I don't even have this thing finally tuned yet, so... What better person to figure this out where, you know, I always value your input. The Rotowire podcast uh, audience always values your input. So let's figure it out here. And, of course, it's going to change. But first pass at Dynasty Fantasy Football Rookies from a Superflex perspective, I think, is is uh, a really good exercise to do live on the air. Welcome to the show. And I'm assuming you've already put together uh, what you believe is your top 12. Yeah, I, I uh, thanks for having me again. Great to be here. Excited to get this going. I love this time because groupthink hasn't sunk in yet, right? Nobody has the cheat sheets. So I kind of took the top 12 that you tweeted to me to kind of prepare for this and looked at it and said, yeah, I like those nine or 10. And I'm not, I think I'd rather two or three other guys rather than a couple that you put there. So maybe that can make for a good conversation today. Yeah, I mean, there's realistically, there's probably like 15 or 16 guys that have a chance to be in the top 12. It's really going to depend on, you know, team needs. It's going to depend on, you know, just your personal evaluation of these players. So that that's where I think the fun begins. And, I, you know, I'm always, as usual, I'm going to remain open to being persuaded. I mean, we're so early in the process. So you, you referenced the, uh, the list of guys that I sent out to you. And in... Not a particular order, but in I would say in tier order, what I sent over to you was in Superflex Leagues, when we're doing our rookie drafts, it's going to be some combination of Bijan Robinson, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, Shroud, Gibbs, JSN, Quinton Johnston, uh, Addison, the wide receiver taken by the Vikings, uh, Devon A-Chain, who was uh, drafted by the Dolphins, the Speedster, Kendra Miller, who was taken, the running back, who was taken by... Um, the Saints, uh, Zay Flowers, Will Levis, and of course, I mean, you know, should be on Zach Charbonnet is probably was on that list at some point. Is not. Uh, I'm assuming Dalton Kincaid is on your list uh, to to well, be within that. Why would you think that? Well, well would make yeah, you think that <laughs> all the Bills memorabilia in there, and I think that there's a a great case for that as well. So you had told me that of that list, um, who else am I missing? That should be we should even be considering in the top twelve of our dynasty drafts, our dynasty yeah. rookie drafts. 
Yeah, you you hit on Dalton Kincaid, somebody you didn't put in the top 12 to me. I think he clearly belongs there, especially in tight end premium leagues. You and I also play in some formats that start two tight ends. You know, he he, he belongs in that conversation. I like Rache Rice. Um, I think he belongs Wait, in that conversation. R- Rashi Rice is the wide receiver that was drafted in the second round by the Kansas City Chiefs. We're just getting everyone up to speed. Some people, this is going to be their first pass at Dynasty Rookie Drafts. Go ahead. And Sam Laporta, the tight end who the Lions traded up for. I think he absolutely belongs in that conversation, especially in the tight end premium to tight end sort of formats. And so, you know, happy to chat about this, but I personally would take out the two running backs, Miller and and a chain and put in uh, Kincaid and and Laporta and Rice, some combination of those guys, depending on team needs and, and formats for tight end premium. Yeah, and I think that's a reasonable counter argument. The the uh, the argument for for me is that running backs are nearly impossible to acquire in dynasty fantasy football unless you want to overpay. I mean, it's very rare that you get to you get a running back, a young running back, a twenty year old running back at equal value. So the the uh, drafts are the best place to get those guys. And uh, it's really a, a game theory option. But when we're just talking about the best 12 players that could score the most fantasy points, we'll, we'll get into that. So let's start at the top. And before we even start, I just want to make a special thanks to our sponsors, Underdog Fantasy. If you want to uh, go on Underdog, the big board is open, man. I mean, it's the wild west of ADPs. Use, uh, uh, use code RWNFL. That's Rotowire NFL, and you'll get a deposit match. And then also Circa Sports which we'll talk about uh, at some point. Circus Sports is the Las Vegas Casino. They are running a contest where they'll fly your whole league for two days to do your draft at Circa. They'll give you a cabana. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. All right. Superflex drafts uh, forever. Mark Stopa, they were talking about uh, Bijan Robinson was the clear 1-1. He landed so smoothly. So is there, I, I think there's a, a debate here to take uh, Anthony Richardson over B. John Robinson in Superflex format. So do we agree that those are the top two picks? Uh, unequivocally. Yeah, I love the landing spot for both those guys. I unequivocally agree those are the top two. Okay, so, and you're going into a rookie draft. Uh, just, you, you need both, you could use a running back or a quarterback. Who's Mark Stopa going to take with his number one pick in a rookie draft as they kick off this weekend? You know, I... I probably go Bijan, and, and I say this as someone who is not who from a game theory perspective prefers to avoid running backs and get them later I think you've seen that in some of the stuff that we've done but to me this the landing spot for Bijan is just so good you know and let, let me talk a little about why Atlanta was the number one ranked run blocking unit for PFF last year Plus, they gave a big contract to Chris Lindstrom, one of the top free agent guards this offseason. Plus, they traded up in the second round for Matt Bergeron, a, a, a ga- offensive guard as well. And so they are really telegraphing how, how committed they are to the run game. And here's a stat that I really like that I think the viewers will like. Six running backs have been drafted in the top 10 since 2010. The average of their rookie years is 1,510 yards and 11.7 touchdowns. So is uh, barring an injury, which obviously running backs have more injury risk than other positions, but barring that, it's really hard to see Bajon Robinson not performing like that this year. 
I like how you put the accent on the other part of his name. It's not Bijan, it's Bijan to you. It's, uh, yeah, all right. It's, it's, it's Bijan, it's Dijon. We don't know what it is, right? Uh, so here is really the case is that it's just for so long, dynasty rankings, pre-draft rankings had Bijan at one and then their favorite quarterback at two. And some rankings had uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver who was taken by Seattle at two. So I, I just think that, it's okay if you still have it like that, but you really need to like rethink this because if someone like Anthony Richardson does indeed have the upside that we believe he has for fantasy football, I'm talking about that Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, rookie year style of upside, uh, you have to keep in mind the draft capital that he had going in the top five. He also has an incredibly high floor, meaning that if he is able to translate those skills that he had in college to the pros, even if he's bad in the NFL as a passer, he's going to be a viable top 12 quarterback his rookie season the minute he hits the ground. And in 18 months from now, Bijan versus Anthony Richardson, I mean, we could be saying, like, why the hell did we take Bijan Robinson number one? I just want everyone to be open to uh, Anthony. I, I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Because as much as I like Robinson and just gave some stats and stuff to tout for him, Richardson is in a great landing spot too. First, it looks like he's going to play right away. The Colts are willing to take their their lumps with him. So I don't know that you can say that about some of the other young quarterbacks. But also, I, I love the players around him. Michael Pittman's really good. JT, obviously, you know, great running back. Um, Josh Downs, that was a really good get for them in round three. And, and don't forget, got, yeah, don't forget Alec Pierce. Pierce. Yeah. yeah, Pierce. Yeah, so, you know, they've got a lot of good young talent around him. And, you know, even though he's got the accuracy issues that, that you know, we don't really care about that for fantasy as long as he can stay on the field and accumulate some rushing stats. So I really like Richardson and wouldn't argue with anybody who preferred him at 1.1. Yeah, I just I thought that Richardson as the QB one in this class was going to be the chalk, boring, vanilla take. As I look around, some uh, you know very credible rankers they they still have Bryce Young and Shroud uh, before them. I'm sure that's going to change. So that could just be like the weekend hasn't kicked in yet. Uh, and also, how I answer the accuracy uh, ding on Anthony Richardson is that. Frank, you know, Frank Reich is uh, not Frank Reich. Sorry, uh, Shane uh, Shane Staken is that the guy's uh, the the head coach. He was um, he was saying that he's going to use Richardson similar to how he used Jalen Hurts, and that he was excited to get him out there. I mean, this he proactively wanted this player. That's why they stood still there, and that you could uh, easily see that they're going to design the offense to. Uh, play to his strengths as a passer. And then as he develops, they'll put in more stuff there. It's just an easy call. Uh, now, with Bijan Robinson, this has the feel of, of Zeke Elliott's rookie year, of Saquon Barkley's rookie year, where, okay, we have one of the best running back prospects we've had in the last five years, right? So it's easy. It's like, okay, you want to take him as the RB1 in Dynasty? Like, I'm there for it, especially since what happened to running back over the last few days, Mark Stopa. Every single running back is you don't even want them at the top of your draft, except for Bijan Robinson. I'm in a redraft today uh, on SiriusXM. I told you I have pick two. I'm taking Bijan Robinson in redraft at pick two, and we're we're headed there as an industry anyway. We might as well just get there. I, I saw you tweet that, and yeah, I mean certainly at three, I think that's reasonable, and yeah. two is debatable. So yeah, I get it. 
All right. So now let's get back into our dynasty ranking. So I think you and I agree, and I, I believe this is going to be the consensus that Bijan Robinson and Anthony Richardson are the one and two. And if you have them either direction, we're good with that. The, the rookie draft starts at three. It's a complete tier break for me. Who would you have is the third? If you're on the clock at three and two of those guys are gone, now we're going to, you know, put aside team Mead if I'm a rebuild, if I'm a win now, just who the hell are you taking at the third pick? I, I mean, I'd love to qualify it because I really do think for me it's unclear. You know, I'm probably going Stroud and Superflex just because it's, it's you, you said it's hard to get a, a running dynasty superflex it's hard to get quarterbacks in dynasty superflex so i'm probably going stroud you know as much as i like richardson's situation i really don't like bryce Young's situation you know adam thielen looks pretty clearly washed up to me they don't have their 2024 first rounder for next year neither do the texans so that that's why i see this as part of a a tear break um so bryce young i didn't like to how the panthers talked about how they want to change his body, change his physique because he's so, you know, light. I mean, you shouldn't be drafting somebody 1.1 and immediately be wanting to change their body. So I, I have Young further down than maybe some other people would. I, I like Stroud's setup a, a little bit better, but I don't like what the Texans did in the draft at all. So if somebody told me, you know, that they preferred to – go depending on need or what have you with JSN or Gibbs here, I wouldn't argue that. And I think 1.3 is probably the, you know, worst spot from a sense of it's the start of that tier where I could see three or four guys going there. If I'm picking at 1.3, I'm taking Bryce Young. And here's why is that, you know, if somebody has Stroud ahead of them, I understand. I can't tell you that one's going to be better than the other, but there's something about being picked at 1.1 in the NFL draft that really insulates you even more so than the 1.2. If Zach Wilson, for example, who was horrible in real-life NFL football, got two years, basically, before they they pulled the plug on him, that's because he's the 1.2. If he was the 1.1 Mark Stopa and all that investment was in him— he would have gotten even just one more season. And maybe not, but there's something. You have to be awful. I mean, what can we hope for in fantasy football? Everyone In dynasty fantasy football, everyone says, oh, I have this guy for the next 10 years. BS. No, you don't. You, you basically have the season ahead of you and the season after that if you're a high pedigree player. The 1.1 does have a little extra insulation. We've seen it. Sam Bradford many years ago was one of the most mediocre quarterbacks that went at 1.1, Mark Stopa. And, and this guy got like, was traded for first round picks uh, multiple times. So I like the insulation and the safety of pick uh, 1.3 taking Bryce Young for that reason. They have every incentive to make sure it works. And, and you make a solid floor argument there. You know, I, I but it was what you made was almost exclusively a floor argument. And I'd love to have more of a ceiling argument when you're talking 1.3. And and I'm not sure I see the ceiling case for Bryce Young in the next year or two. And that's the problem. The weapons around him are not good since they gave up so much. They don't have a 2024 first. So, you know, how are they going to improve the supporting cast around him? I mean, if he's immediately a Pro Bowl caliber player, then maybe he can elevate some of these guys around him. But, I mean, his top target, is going to be who Jonathan Mingo I mean I'm concerned about the ceiling case there and 
I just this is the thing, and I understand going for you know going for the fences or going for upside when it presents itself. The Anthony Richardson over Bijan thing, right? That could go wrong on you. That really could, but totally. you see the upside. I just think what, given what we have on the board at that point, and you already very smartly defined that try go trading for a quarterback and superflex, especially a young one. It's not happening, right? <laughs> it's except if you're Zach Wilson, they'll give you that one away. Uh, I, I just don't want to miss with my rookie pick. And if, if Bryce Young is quarterback 14, quarterback 16 in his rookie year, and I could start him, even Davis Mills last year, Mark Stobe, was, was a startable Superflex quarterback. And what do I mean by that is that who are you going to put in your Superflex spot? What wide receiver running back that was better than Davis Mills? If Davis Mills last year, the quarterback for the Houston Texans, was getting you 14, 15 fantasy points, that's still better than like starting Jahan Dotson or whoever your wide receiver yeah. four was going to be. And I think that that is the floor case. There's, It's okay to hit a double. You don't always have to hit a home run. But listen, that's not how fantasy players play it. I, I don't mind the floor argument here, but you make a great point is that uh, it, it's it's not scared. It's just safety. I know that the pick probably will not fail for Bryce Young. Okay, Bryce Young and Stroud are next two quarterbacks. Um, let's talk about the Will Levis issue here, okay? Wasn't taken in the first round, but was still taken at pick 33, which in most years is the first pick of the second round. This year it was the second pick of the second round. Is he a first-round Superflex rookie player, and where are you comfortable taking him? I think he has to be viewed that way. It sounds like the Colts would have taken him at 1.4 if Richardson wasn't on the board. The Titans were trying to trade back up in the first round in order to get in order to get Levis and just couldn't find a trade partner. So I don't view him as a second round in real life NFL, you know, pick. He he was essentially a first round guy. He was in the green room, you know. So I think he definitely belongs in the top 12. I think this really is a function of team need and because it's really hard in a vacuum to compare him to JSN or, or Zay Flowers or Addison. But, uh, I, you know, somewhere in that middle of the first round uh, or later part of the first, he definitely belongs in the first round. If it gets to the later part of the first round, he needs to be taken. Now, the Tennessee situation, I don't like at all. Their receivers are, you know, they look really, really bad outside of Traylon Burks. But, you know, like like we've said, it's tough to get rookie quarterbacks and he's going to be given a chance. So, you know, he definitely first round guy. Let's not forget Justin Herbert was going at pick 1.9 in rookie drafts because he was perceived as like the third guy. We're not sure. Uh, it, this happens all the time. Justin Jefferson in his rookie draft was going like pick 8, 9, 10. Uh, I just think that when you have an opportunity to take what is eventually going to be a starting quarterback outside of the top four or five, it's an easy hit. So it really is the question is, Mark Snope, is like, where do you take him? Do you take him before which receiver? So if, on your board, I'm going to give you a couple names. Like, so Zay Flowers, the perception on the early perception on him is that he's in a bad situation because he's with the Ravens who have a low passing volume. We could talk about the system change in a minute, but... Is Zay Flowers the cut line? If you're on the clock at that 109 spot in your rookie drafts and both Levis and Zay Flowers are there, who are you taking and what's the reason? I'm taking Levis just just for the reasons we've been saying about locking in that quarterback who could be the, you know, your starter in Superflex for several years. And and I do think Flowers ceiling is a little less than it might have been given given the landing spot. Yeah, and I'm going to have to have this argument with a lot of people, a lot of really good arguers, too, uh, coming up on the um, on the Sonic Truth podcast on Tuesday with the Podfather and with Theo. And I, I'm, I'm, 
I can't believe that people are not even open to you this yet. Or maybe they're open, but they don't think it's going to be that much of a change that where the Ravens are going to Todd Munkin in a pass-heavy pass, happy, a pass heavy system, Lamar's probably going to want, they're going to want to scale him back a little bit. I mean, of course, he's going to be a dynamic runner, but they, they put first-round investment in a wide receiver. They bring in Odell Beckham. Uh, to me, it seems like, you know, they've been averaging around 390 to 400 pass attempts a year. Why can't that go up by like 30, 40%? And if it does, Zay Flowers is going to be one of the better picks. All right, let's go. Let's rewind a little bit, Mark Stoba. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, let's talk about something near and dear to your heart. You're a big-time Bills fan. But other than that, describe Kincaid. What kind of a prospect is he? Should we even be thinking about him as a tight end when we talk about fantasy? I mean, obviously, that's great that he has that designation, but... What do you see Kincaid's immediate role on the Bills, and how is that going to translate into fantasy football? I mean, the immediate role is a little tough because Dawson Knox is there too, and who just recently signed to a big money contract. But longer term, I I like the fit for, as a Bills fan and from a Buffalo perspective and a fantasy perspective longer term because it looks like Kincaid, Kincaid is their answer to – slot they view him not as an inline blocker like Knox but they're going to split him out I've read several Dawson Knox comparisons or I mean uh, Travis Kelsey comparisons I mean you know let's not get ahead of ourselves but that's great to see that that's even in the range of outcomes if you watch the and I've seen this on Twitter uh, on a few on a few feeds watch the highlights of Kincaid's 16 catch game against USC last season, it looks amazing. I mean, he's running all the routes, breaking tackles, elite hands is the first phrase that uh, Bill's GM used to describe Kincaid, elite hands. So in, in tight end premium formats, uh, Chris Sims ranked him in the top 10, just thought he could have been a top 10 pick. Others said similar things, could have been a top 10 pick in this last year's draft. So that the hit rates or, or the bust rates among first round tight ends has been a little scary in recent years. But if you can put that aside and obviously tied into an elite quarterback too, you know, that th- this could be uh, in a, a, a in every week fantasy starter, a top five guy in in two or three years. It seems like the Bills drafted Kincaid not so much to replace Dawson Knox or an indictment on him, but more of like to finally get that Cole Beasley-ish slot guy, maybe a little bit, little bit something more juice behind, uh, next to Stefan Diggs because Gabe Davis, you know, good NFL player, didn't really translate to fantasy consistently like we wanted to last year. But do you see, how do you see this affecting um, uh, uh Oh, Dawson Knox's role is it basically going to be the same thing like hit or miss you just keep him in your lineup if you if you were able to get because now Knox's fantasy value is going to be drop I mean you're just going to be able to get him whenever you want is he still a player that we should keep an eye on or is Kincaid really crush his value in Dynasty you know it'll be interesting to see what the Bills do because those who follow me on Twitter know I've been a big proponent of the anytime touchdown bets for Dawson Knox the last couple of years. And the reasons for that is because he was really the only tight end that the Bills played. So he had a ton of playing time on a regular basis. And when you're playing close to 100% of the snaps with Josh Allen, you're going to score a touchdown on an every other game sort of basis. Well, we got to see now what the Bills do. They have never played two tight end form- formations with any regularity at all. Now it looks like they're going to be doing that a lot, perhaps as much as any team in the league, because uh, they've got Knox under the big contract and now Kincaid with the great dra- draft uh, draft equity. So 
I also say from a Bills perspective, Josh Allen's best statistical season was 2020. That was when Cole Beasley was still in his prime and had a really good year and filled that slot role over the middle, those easy third down receptions, uh, that kind of stuff. They have been missing that the last couple of years. They've been really atrocious in the middle of the field. And this is, he's, Kincaid is clearly drafted to kind of fit that role for the foreseeable future. I do think he can coexist with Knox running a lot of two tight end formations, but we haven't seen that from the Bills to know how much they're actually going to do that. So a lot of questions there. Yeah, my uh, co-host on SiriusXM, Jim Coventry, has Kincaid as his his redraft ranking as tight end 13. I thought that was very aggressive for a rookie tight end, but uh, again, I'm going to stay open to all this. It, it could be, you know, look, Pat Fryermuth, Kyle Pitts, both had um, successful rookie seasons, maybe not relative to their ADP, but 1,000 yards for Kyle Pitts, uh, Pat Fryer, usually the, the narrative on rookie tight ends is you have to wait a few years because they have to learn multiple positions, but it sounds like Kincaid is going to be really focused on as that like Evan Ingram style pass catcher. And Ingram had a very good rookie year, uh, just relative to expectation. So um, where do you think, um, I mean, where would you rank Kincaid as far as a dynasty? Like we're thinking about this, we're doing a startup, you and I kicking off today. Uh, I know you have to don't even look at the list. Like, where do you think Kincaid should be relative to the entire tight end pool right now in dynasty? You know, I, 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 in, oh, in, in dynasty dynasty. I, yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think that he's the back end of the first round overall. He's my tight end. one. Uh, for, let, me, uh, oh, let me refer. Not, so not yeah, just if so right now you're doing a startup draft and you're looking at all the tight ends. Again, you're not looking at the list yourself, but just anecdotally, where do you put Kincaid? He's a first-round tight end. I mean, you know, is Kyle Pitts his tight end one in a lot of dynasty rankings? Just where do you think he fits in? Is he tight end six? Is he tight end eight? Is he tight end 13? Where do you just anecdotally do you think at a first pass Kincaid fits in in your total tight end rankings? Yeah, I, I like six to eight, somewhere in there. You can't take him over any of the studs. But, uh, you know, just given the, dra- the draft pedigree and the, the setup with Buffalo and the ties to Allen, I think somewhere in that eight range without looking at a list, that seems right to me. I think 13 in redraft is too, is too, too high. I I'd agree. actually prefer Sam Laporta if you're talking just redrafts. I'd prefer Sam Laporta with the Lions because he his competition is what? Brock Wright, basically a blocker only. So I think for redraft, I don't particularly like Kincaid that much this year because it's hard for rookie tight ends and Knox is there but longer term you know dynasty longer term investments I, I I'm in that's a good point all right uh we're going to take a quick break right now not for the YouTube audience but for the audio audience so when we come back we're going to continue talking about our top 12 dynasty rookies you should be taking in the first round be right back after this And we're back. I'm Alan Sislowski of Rotowire.com, along with Mark Stopa. Everyone loves Mark Stopa, uh, frequent and favorite guest of the Rotowire Dynasty podcast. And we are breaking down the top 12 rookies that you should be drafting in your Dynasty rookie drafts as they kick off this week. Uh, it's an exciting time. We already talked about Bijan Robinson and the quarterbacks. We've, we've hit on Dalton Kincaid. It's the wide receivers and which order they should be drafted in Dynasty. And then a little bit later, we're going to get to the Devon A-Chain, the Kendra Miller types, even even Roshan Johnson, who I think landed in a good spot in Chicago, 
kind of this year's Tyler Algier a little bit as far as fifth round draft capital, where he was drafted in the fourth round, uh, Roshan. So we'll get to that. But let's break down those first round wide receivers. Of course, we have JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who landed in Seattle. We have Quentin Johnson, who went to the Chargers, uh, Jordan Addison, the Vikings, and uh, Zay Flowers, who went to the Ravens. So let's start with the basics. Do we agree that all four of these guys undoubtedly are first-round draft picks and rookie drafts? Yes. Easy question. Okay. Yes. All right. Give me your order. What what order would you, Mark Stopa, take them in, and then we'll come back and, and judge each one. So order them, rank them in uh, one through four. JSN, number one. Really not much hesitation there. I like Addison, number two. I like Quentin Johnston, number three. And then Flowers, number four. Okay, I'm going to assume Flowers is landing spot, why he's four. I mean, that's that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's close. I definitely have JSN number one and maybe like a half-tier break before the others. I think the other three are all similar values and sit in, a sim- in the same type tier. So, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't pound on the table if you told me you preferred flowers over some of the others. Yeah, Quentin Johnson, I'm not sure why. I mean, there seems to be uh, some a lot. Well, people don't really like Quentin Johnson, but it couldn't have been a more ideal spot. I guess that's why he's moved up in some people's rankings. But what's the argument against Quentin Johnson that I'm missing? He seems like he's the prototypical size. Uh, There's going to be dings in his game. He's playing with arguably the best quarterback out of any of these guys for the next three to five years, meaning his rookie contract, right? I mean, he's going to be there for four or five years if he's fine. So uh, give me the guy that has the size that's playing with Justin Herbert with Mike Williams, who's often injured. I mean, he's he's not a lock to play the whole season. Keenan Allen's 30 years old, still a stud. But, you know, you could see in two years maybe not being on the roster. I thought I that I was Quinston Johnson has an argument to be number one. It sounds like that that is being dismissed. That JSN is the locked in one. It's not like one of these guys, Mark Stoba. You know, I can understand if like if JSN was drafted at pick eight and Quinston Johnston was picked twenty six. These guys were taken on back to back picks. Draft capital is a wash. In fact, you know, it's twenty and twenty one. There's no difference there. Sure, the order they were taken matters. The NFL prioritized one over the other, but. I'm looking at one guy's going to be playing with Geno Smith for two years. One guy's going to be playing with uh, Justin Herbert. Give me the Justin Herbert guy. I, 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 that's a great argument. You know, I can't, I can't, I, I can't say that that's a bad argument in any way. I, I, I think that some of it is that um, Johnston going to this not as much exposure with the smaller school, maybe so not as much hype. Maybe that's maybe that's part of it. But I, I hear you. It is a little confounding on on why they're viewed differently by some people when maybe it's the, the speed issue. People like the flashy speed, like the the young, thin guys who, you know, can zoom down the field. And Johnson's Johnson's more of a physical guy. It's like the Chargers are like they're like that dude. They're like a guy who's 25 who always dates the same kind of girl. Right, that's what the Chargers like: Malcolm Floyd, Mike Johnson, Mike Williams, Quentin Johnston. I mean, they're they're all this similar build. But to me, it's like that's a good thing because the Chargers have a type. They took their type, and now he's set up in a good situation tied to an elite quarterback. All right, everybody. I'm gonna. This is a, a quick word from Circa, but I really want you to pay attention to this because even though it's a commercial read, this is the coolest contest that Circa. So Circa is a the best 
uh, casino in Las Vegas if you love sports betting. I mean, we were there last year for RotoWire, and we're going back this year. It is made for sports betting. All the TVs, the sports book, the outdoor swim cabana. So they gave, they're sponsoring this podcast with a, a contest that I think you're going to want to hear about. It's called the Ultimate Fantasy Football Draft. Can only take place in Las Vegas. Circa Resort and Casino wants to bring you the whole and your whole league to Vegas for the Ultimate Fantasy Football Experience Giveaway. You bring your whole 12-person league for a two-night stay at Circa Resort and have a draft at their Cabana Stadium Swim. Plus, limo transportation, Mark Stopa, to and from the airport, a welcome party at the Legacy Club, which is a booth at the world's largest sports book, and more. Prize package valued at over $8,000. There's no better place to draft than at Circa. You have to be 21 or older. Go to CircaLasVegas.com for more information. I mean, Mark Stopa, we, we have to enter this contest, right? I mean, our, the Stopa League that I did with the RotoWire folks for years before you got on board we had the in-person auctions in Vegas. It was yeah. the best every year. So yeah, Can you imagine I, I'm all over that. The, if if uh, if if we win this uh, circuit contest where we're we're going to and for, from the airport in a limo, it, it's going to remind me of like my prom night where we had like Zimas. You remember Zima, the drink Zima? We we would stock those in the back. If you don't know what Zima is, it's the equivalent of uh, what what's the what's the drink that everyone like the fruity what? drink that Mike's hard lemonade maybe? no you're we're sounding like old guys I can't believe I don't know it <laughs> that kids are drinking the 21 year olds are drinking that it's not the true life I can't believe I forgot it put it in the chat if you know what the uh trendy uh flavored drink is now that I cannot believe I forgot the name of it I feel like such oh, an idiot trendy anyway. I'm the wrong person to ask about trendy. <laughs> all right let's continue talking about um uh, so I wanted Addison Jordan Addison that's the next guy on our list here Jordan Addison, great landing spot, right? I mean, but here's my problem with Jordan Addison is that he is never going to out-target Justin Jefferson. So do you think that, should that deter you from aggressively taking him? Should he be the last guy since he has virtually no chance to ever be the alpha on that team? Well, so you don't like T. Higgins then, huh? Oh, no, not that I don't like him. I'm just talking about no, over... No, no, you... You get the comparison, though, right? So, Absolutely. I'm I just mean, saying versus the other choices of the other three guys that all have a chance to ascend to Alpha. That's all I meant. No, I, I totally get it. And and maybe that was a little snarky. But, like, you know, T. Higgins is the name that comes to mind as you say that. He's obviously never going to be the top guy in Cincinnati. But, but he's still a plenty viable fantasy. By the way, uh, Mark Stopa, we have breaking news right here. White Claw is the drink. White Claw. Sorry, go back. That was that needed to be said. But go ahead with your uh, very apropos uh, comparison here with T. Higgins. So, yeah, I mean, you know, T. Higgins is regularly drafted highly in fantasy. We all like him. We'd all want him. Why can't Jordan Addison be, you know, not the same type of body, but why can't he be a similarly valued receiver? If, if anything... Uh, um, Justin Jefferson might help elevate Addison's floor because we always know that Jefferson's going to get a bunch of attention and Addison's going to get a lot of one-on-ones. And, uh, you know, I'm in there. I don't see a problem with that at all. You don't have to be your team's wide receiver one to be somebody who I'd want in fantasy. All right. If you're in the chat right now, put the order of your wide receivers, how you're going to rank them in your dynasty drafts. We're talking about the four first round wide receivers, JSN, uh, QJ, Quinton Johnson, uh, Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers. Put them one through four in the chat if you and, and if you have a different order than us. And also, if you enjoy videos like this, please consider hitting that like button for us. It lets us know that you enjoy content like this. Uh, 
Now let's talk about, uh, well, is there anything else on the receiver? So we hit Quinton Johnson. Uh, where do, where do you, okay, here's a good question for you. As far as redraft, what do you think the redraft market's going to favor out of these four guys? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm not sure it's that that much different. You don't think Addison's going to be the redraft market favorite since he's got the immediate opportunity where JSN has the two studs ahead of him, uh, Quentin Johnson has two studs ahead of him, and the perception that Flowers is in a low-volume passing game? You don't think that immediately vaults Addison to the top of the redraft ranks? I mean, maybe maybe a little, but I don't think there's that much of a difference. You know, I... I, I because everybody, they're all going to see the field a lot. You know, we're those are they're all three wide receiver offenses. So you know, may, maybe maybe a little bit, especially with JSN. But part of why I like part of why I do like JSN in Dynasty is that Tyler Lockett doesn't have much time left. Um, so I, I could see that that reduces him a little in redraft. But yeah, I don't I don't think it's it's that much different. And, and so 
Yeah, I mean, maybe you bump up Addison a little bit in redraft compared to Dynasty. Yeah, I just, again, I'm not saying what's going to happen. I'm saying what's the redraft market going to do, right? And that's really the case. It's like you can see people starting to draft JSN in round seven, round eight, and then it goes to round six because he makes a great catch in preseason. And then everyone's dropping him by week three because he's got three targets in in three games, you know, you could, with those two studs on the field. I want to, you know, the the guy. I don't. I don't want to leave receivers before we talk a little about Rache Rice, who I mentioned earlier. I think is an argument for the bat for the latter part of the first round. You know, the ties to Mahomes are pretty obvious. Apparently, they worked out together before the draft. Uh, I read that Mahomes vouched for Rice, and you know, who will never know probably how much that's true or whether he vouched for other guys too that they didn't take. But I, I, I like that. I think that people will be a little bit scared off of Rice too because they see second-round Chiefs receiver Oskai Moore last year. He didn't work out. Well, Moore was a fringe first-round guy last year too, and he was viewed as a bit raw. So I think people might not want to come back to rice because they didn't like how Morris turned out so far. So I could see, I could see rice being a bit undervalued compared to where he would be. And, you know, one of the things you notice about me is we regularly do these. I like the guys who are tied to elite quarterbacks. So, you know, that's part of what I like about Kincaid, part of what I like about uh, part of what I like about rice. So I don't think we can stop the receivers without at least mentioning that. You just made a really good point. I want to underline it for anyone listening. The, and I think I fell victim to this bias. There's bias against Rishi Rice, the, the wide receiver who was uh, selected in the second round by the Chiefs, because Sky Moore didn't work out. Whatever, everyone, we're taking him ahead of, uh, of Christian Watson in Dynasty rookie drafts last year. That is powerful right there. So what you're saying is don't, don't worry about what happened to Sky Moore. The, the reason that Rashi Rice should be considered is because they – they took him, right? They proactively put him in there. I mean, who's really ahead of him? You have, um, what's it called? Uh, right now, you have Sky Moore, who should be a bigger part of the game plan, right? Who else is on this depth chart that you're really worried about? Um, Kadarius Tony is a great electric player, but he hasn't really proven he could stay healthy. What you're saying is that, and I know the other narrative is that the Chiefs spread the ball around, and that's true, but they Maybe spread Maybe that's the- true because nobody has broken out yet. There it is. There it is. Juju Smith-Schuster was on like a 90-target pace early in the season uh, before it stopped working out. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you here. You've I told you I'm going to remain open because this is the first pass. And, and the worst thing you could do is believe you're right because nobody really knows yet. And we're still trying to figure this out. So you're picking a pick. To, I mean, Jalen Waddell, who it's a different situation. The draft capital was top six, but uh, he was he was going at the end of first round of rookie drafts. I'm now going to remain open to Rashi Rice at like pick 11 and 12. Not before that, but certainly he could be this year's Jahan Dotson, the guy who goes at 2.3. You're like, man, I would have taken him at the 10th pick in the first round. And and going back to some of the guys who you gave me on your list before we started this, Kendry Miller and uh, Shane, I like Rice over both of those guys. Part of that is a game theory I prefer to build with receivers over running backs but look what happened to kenneth walker in in seattle you know a a, you you loved him justifiably he looked great last year he was stopa i didn't love him he was my rb1 in dynasty i was telling people that they're idiots for not doing that that is completely 
Like that that is the that is the coldest take. I mean, again, listen, at the time I was only going on the information that I had. So but continue on. Yeah. And and, and I'm not trying to pick on you there by any means. Lots of people viewed Walker as really valuable in Dynasty. And then Seattle takes Zach Charbonnet. And, you know, now that picture is really muddy. That's what happens with running backs. They get hurt at a greater rate. They they have timeshares at a greater rate. So, you know, I view Rice as clearly more valuable than Miller or a chain for dynasty purposes. And I don't, I think that's a take because I think most people will disagree with that. No, it's, it's not agree or disagree. It's just that we're so early in the process. Most people won't have that take. I didn't have that take. So I'm again, this is what we do. This is not like, Hey, we're going to tell you this podcast isn't, we're going to tell you who the top 12 dynasty running backs are, uh, dynasty players are. And that's it. This is working out the process right now. And Rishi Rice, I'm sure that if you had, thrown up some rankings he'd probably be 14 to 17 somewhere in there and you're saying that he's 10 11 or 12 on your board Let, let's remain open to that now sky Moore, what's the difference you had sky Moore was consensus pick seven pick eight last year in rookie drafts this is the same thing you can't just go and change uh your ability to be open to this so i love that call that's going to be one of the biggest takeaways from here all right now we talked about devon a chain and we talked about kendry miller so those are the running backs that have the um Top three round draft capital land in situations that, you know, we like. I mean, A-Chain is going in Miami is going to have uh, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert there. They're going to get playing time. A-Chain had the, the was it, four three two forty speed. I mean, just talking about like lightning speed here uh, on the Miami Dolphins as if they needed more speed. And then Kendry Miller, you know, Alvin Kamara, there's a threat that he misses, you know, six games this season. And they signed Jamal Williams. So I don't know. Is the, is the opportunity really there? So would you, you said you would take Rice over both of those guys? I, I, in Dynasty, I would. Now, okay. I like the setups of Miller and a chain for redraft, you know, for the reasons that you just said. But, but for Dynasty, it just feels like there's more upside on a longer-term basis, more stability, and a lot of that just has to do with the position. All right. So of those two running backs, though, do you have given the draft capital is I mean, it's mostly similar. Like, who do you prefer in Dynasty? Like if you're on the clock and you're let's say all the, the receivers that you like are gone, and you're choosing between those particular two guys. Um, how are you making that call? I'd probably lean Miller just given the, the body type. You know, one could say a chain is a little bit more of like a scat back kind of guy. So. Right. That, that's what my gut says, but I got to dig into it more, and I'm curious to see what other people say about it as well. Yeah, I think that people will default to Kendra Miller. He's prototypical three-down back, uh, three back size, and that's not going to be a hot take. I mean, you know, it's it, it's so interesting to see how it works out. Now, let's talk about some of the other wide receivers that could drip into the top 12. They're probably not, but like the Marvin Mims types um, going to, uh, to Denver. I mean, do you believe that... There's going to be some value on him if indeed that Judy or Cortland Sutton is traded or they're they're not on the team in a year from now. So where are you going to value Mims? Should Does he belong in our top 12 conversation or is he more, let, let's save him for the second round? I think he's early second, but I say that as things are now with, with Judy and Sutton both in Denver because it definitely perked my eyebrows to see that the Broncos traded up for Mims and that was the first pick under Sean Payton. 
So there's obviously a reason for that. And that, to me, certainly increases the chances that one of those current guys leaves by some sort of trade has been has has been speculated for some time. So, yeah, I see him as an early round two kind of guy. I, I don't like him as much as Rice, given the obvious downgrade in quarterback. But, yeah. All right. The uh, There was a couple uh, big movements of players, trades. I want to talk about the DeAndre Swift thing for a second and how this relates to fantasy football. Um, DeAndre Swift uh, was basically traded because Jameer Gibbs obviously comes in, pick 12. By the way, did that surprise you? I mean, it had to, right? Jameer Gibbs at pick 12. and I, mean, I think it surprised everybody. Yeah, surprised everybody. And I see so so much debate going on before we get to Swift about, oh, the Lions, they're donkeys. They, I don't even give a crap about any of that. I just care that this guy is a top 12 NFL pick and a running back. I want Jameer Gibbs. Um, I know we hit it on it a little bit in the beginning here, but Jay, your wide receiver one in this class or Jameer Gibbs, who are you going to prefer in Dynasty? Wide receiver one, okay. JSN. All right. And, and I, I like Gibbs, but that's just a, you know a game theory receiver's don't get injured as frequently. They're more dependable. That That's the way that I like to create builds. But if you're picking at like 1-5, 1-6, and you have that option, Mark Stopa, aren't you going to be more happy with the receivers you can get in round two rather than the running back? So doesn't it, if you just say you're picking at 1-5, 2-5, because a lot of people have that decision, you don't think there's an argument for taking the running back first, the first round pedigreed running back, and then taking Marvin Mims or whoever in the second round? Oh, absolutely there is. And that's why I say it's just a, a personal preference that I like to stockpile on receivers. I think, you know, you've done enough drafts with me. We, I think we, we called the last one that I did, you know, Stopa's Wide Receiver University. That was my, my last team that somebody, you know, coined because I was taking so many receivers. Mm-hmm. I just like the safety and dependability that they provide. Whereas Gibbs, you know, going back to my Walker example, Maybe Detroit back to the, drafts another another running back in the second round next year. Yeah, but I mean, you, you see it happen. Yeah. Now the thing with Walker was he was a second round pick. Nobody expected them to take Zach Charbonnet in the second round. The pro, the 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 difference with Gibbs is that no matter what running back they draft, they're they're never going to usurp his draft capital. They're not going to they're not going to be picking in the top ten. If they do, they're not going to be taking a running back. So even if they take a second round running back, Gibbs is still a first round running back. And in fantasy football, that's a powerful thing. I mean, think that- about all. Go ahead, Mark. That's Stolper. very fair. Who, who's your comp for who's your comp for Gibbs? Your NFL player, somebody every knows, everybody knows. Is he Camara in his prime? Who's who's your comp? I would say CJ Spiller uh would be fair, or even Jamal Charles, if everything I mean, not he's not gonna beat Jamal Charles, but I'm thinking of a sub two hundred pounder right on the cusp of two hundred pound running back, uh, with that speed and pass catching ability. Spiller, I mean, uh, uh Camara it was two fifteen. A lot of people think of him as slight, so Spiller, Jamal Charles would be the two comparisons that, by the way, I pulled those right off of Player Profiler not too long ago, so th- those those uh, thoughts were planted in my head, but I-, I think those are the most fitting. Who do you think it is? Well, first, I got to recover here. You're giving me some horrible flashbacks <laughs> with the C.J. Spiller uh, comparison there. But yeah, I, I can, I can see that. I, I can see both of those. Je- I mean, Jamar Charles, I, uh, Jamal Charles, I suppose that's the home run scenario. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh fantasy football is a game of opinions. So that that's what it's all about. I get a game of bad opinions, including my own, right? <laughs> we say <laughs> never take free advice. It's, it's bad. Free advice is bad. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's close out the conversation. Well, not close out the conversation, but Deandre Swift, everyone, that's one of the most common questions I've been getting over the last 24 hours. Uh, 
as good as a soft landing as you can get for Swift. Uh, what are you expecting out of him uh, for, for dynasty fantasy football? The days of top five, top three dynasty running back, forget it. It's over. It's just not happening. So what do you think is reasonable? Put the, the, the sobering opinion on DeAndre Swift, what we should expect moving forward. Now, remember, this is the last year of his of his contract. So if he plays well, the Eagles presumably will, will resign him. They have Penny there, um, and they also have Kenneth Gainwell. So DeAndre Swift, what should dynasty managers be doing? I mean, I'm targeting Swift. That's an ideal setup. The Eagles run game, the offensive line is just awesome. That's an ideal setup. So Penny is obviously, you know, concerns me, but he has been unable to stay healthy throughout his career. So, you know, it's at least, you know, Swift strikes me as the kind of guy who the opinions could run the gamut and whoever owns him could value, could the valuations could be, you know, run the gamut as well. So it's worth putting out feelers there to see what his owner might want for him, because, you know, I don't think there's going to be a clear cut answer right now. There's no market established yet. So that's the perfect time to try to go trade for people and see, you know, is the Swift owner scorned by what happened last year? Does he not realize how good that Philly situation is? I mean, there's still a lot of upside there. I tend to always view things in terms of upside and ceiling rather than floor. That's my initial instinct. And the, the upside case for, for Swift is really high. I'm going to put uh, one of your opinions to the test right now. Would you let's let's say you're trying to acquire DeAndre Swift and you're on the clock at 110 and your guy Rishi Rice is there. Dalton Kincaid's off the board. You're at 110. Rishi Rice is there. Devon A. Chain's there. Um, Kendra Miller's there. Who and someone offers you Swift for that pick. So Swift versus those two running backs and Rishi Rice. I want you to order that for me. I would go Swift over the two running backs for sure. And not we've seen we've seen Swift be good on an NFL field. Um, we haven't seen that from either of the rookies. For for Rice, I'd probably I think that's close. I'd probably defer based on what my team setup looked like and which position I needed more. Is that a cop out? Very, cow- very cowardly answer. Because, listen, you're, te- <laughs> you're telling people here, which I think is good advice, go get DeAndre Swift. Skeptics of your advice are going to say, nobody's selling DeAndre Swift. I'm telling you, if you're on the clock at 110 and you have that pick, you might be able to get him. So what's it going to be? Your fa- what, Rishi Rice or DeAndre Swift? Your team is neutral right now. Which player do you want in your roster, Mark Stopa? Give me, give me Swift. All right. Well, there it is. So if you're on it, you know, people say DeAndre Swift's not going to be traded for a first round pick. It's easy to say that until you're on the clock. And by the way, here's the, the actionable advice. If you're, if you're going to trade that pick away, just wait till you're on the clock because people fall in love with players and the rookie fee. This is as, as valuable as your rookie picks are going to be. Um, and they're the most, least valuable once the season starts, right? Because <laughs> nobody cares about them anymore. They're spending them, uh, you know, I think I spent the first-round pick on some aging players that now I'm like, oh, why did I do that? You know, so I wasn't valuing them properly. Properly. Let's talk Roshan Johnson. Uh, it was it was interesting because he was B. John Robinson back up in Texas. People, there, there's some mixed opinion on him. I mean, you know, the guys who I do the Player Profiler podcast with, I mean, they couldn't be higher on him. They have him RB3, RB4. Uh, you know, the guys that, that I know and are credible over at Rotowire, Mario and Jim, they they don't like Roshan Johnson. Lands in the fourth round, Chicago. Okay, so start with this. Do you like the landing spot for Roshan Johnson with Deontay Foreman there and Khalil Herbert? 
I don't like the landing spot and I don't like the draft capital. So, you know, I wouldn't have brought up Roshan Johnson unless you did. So that, that, oh, no. probably, that probably gives you my opinion there. Wait till you see, Mark Stopa, the Roshan Johnson talk that's going to be— This is going to—the the comps to Damian Pierce from last year are coming, meaning this is a guy that's going to—that that he that he's better than Deontay Foreman. He's better than Khalil Herbert. People love Roshan Johnson, and you're going to see—this is going to be like the Sunnis and the Shias fighting on Twitter soon. Khalil Herbert is a good player. I agree. I, I, Roshan Johnson is not better than Khalil Herbert. I don't think that's even close. You know, Khalil Herbert, there's a reason that the Bears let Montgomery walk. So I, I'm taking Khalil Herbert, and I'd be shocked if Roshan Johnson sees the field over a healthy Khalil Herbert on a regular basis. I know that take seems obvious to you, Mark Stopa, but I'm telling you, if you go on Twitter and say that, you will your engagement will grow because they'll think you're just like doing it like to troll people. I know you believe that because you just said you weren't even going to bring him up. Roshan Johnson's you're going to be sickened by how much Roshan Johnson talk we get and that he's the sleeper and he should be a first round rookie pick. I think I mean he's going in the first four or five picks of the second round. Um, wait wait I, for it. I hope those people are in leagues with me and we, we need to up the price sticks. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if my man right here, Johnny Bomber, is being facetious or not. Roshan Johnson could be the next David Johnson. He's not because he's a serious man right here, meaning the guy that was drafted, David Johnson drafted in what, late round three, Roshan draft four, all of a sudden ascends. I, I guess what Johnny Bomber is saying is that uh, Roshan Johnson's destined to be the top three uh, redraft pick next year, right? That's what David Johnson did. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting. Put in the chat right now, Roshan Johnson deserves to be a first-round rookie pick in your dynasty drafts that are kicking off this weekend. Yes for Roshan, no for Roshan. Going to be one of the more polarizing. I do like the landing spot because if he landed, like, say, where the Zach Charbonnet spot, we're behind Kenneth Walker, you're almost like, okay, this guy's just a backup. Well, let me ask you this. Roshan Johnson or Zach Charbonnet in dynasty right now? Zach Charbonnet. Okay. And... That leaves me, so Zach Charbonnet definitely does not belong in the first round of rookie drafts at this point. I had him as my RB3 heading in, hoping that he landed in like Cincinnati or somewhere like that. But at this point, I mean, anytime you want to take him in the second round, fine, Charbonnet, but just don't even include him in that top 12. Yeah, he doesn't belong in the top 12, but I said Charbonnet over Johnson because there's just less competition. Charbonnet only needs one injury to be caught, to vault up the, the lists. Uh, Johnson, to me, you know, he's got – just look at look at what you yourself said. He's got two guys he's battling with. Charbonnet's only got one in front of him. To me, that makes it an easy call. All right. Now, there's a lot of panic selling going on as we're talking about Charbonnet of, of Kenneth Walker. I was already offered a 24 first and Antonio Gibson for him. No, thank you. I am not going to be as bearish and, and drop Kenneth Walker as much as – because, look, this is a rookie running back. He's got to come and improve himself. Rashad Penny was was there last year, right? And Kenneth Walker was able to ascend. Of course, Rashad Penny was injury prone, but they were always going to backfill that position. They weren't going to go. Seattle wasn't going to go into this year, Mark Stopa, with nobody behind him. So Kenneth Walker, fine. Maybe he's not the RB1 in Dynasty anymore, but where should fantasy managers doing startup drafts value Kenneth Walker? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be targeting him. I, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, we kind of, let's see how it plays out. Like, let's see what we hear. We're so early in the process. I agree with you not, not doing that trade that you were, that you were proposed, you know, let's see how things play out. We, 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 
it's very rare in today's NFL to have a three down back who gets, you know, 250 plus carries. So there can be room for multiple guys and still do well. Maybe Charbonnet is the, the change of pace, you know, gives a breather and helps keep Walker healthy. You know, it's, it's rare to have that three down guy. So as long as, if you go into it with the mindset of most teams are going to have two backs, it really doesn't change very much. All right. Anyone else that you feel should be in the top 12 of rookie drafts that we haven't talked about today? No, I, th- I think I think we hit it. I, I, I enjoyed it very much. Always enjoyed these with you. I think that we hit it pretty well, and I, I hope we can uh, I hope we can do it again soon. Of course. Okay. I'm Alan Zislowski. Follow me on Twitter at Alan Zislowski, along with Mark Stopa. Follow him at Mark Stopa, frequent and popular guest on the Rotowire Dynasty podcast. Right now, you can go check out Rotowire for free, everyone. Rotowire, they're going to unlock the paywall for you. All you got to do is go to rotowire.com forward slash pod. Just put in your email. Paywall unlocks. There's nothing to cancel, no credit cards. Uh, you can see our dynasty rankings, which are going to be updated by Mario and Jim and all the rest of the guys there. Uh, and if you have any questions about any of the players we talked about today, you can uh, DM Mark Stoper on Twitter. He loves to engage with you. You can hit me up at Alan Soslowski. And also, uh, if you're listening to this live, Jim Coventry and I will be on Sirius Satellite Radio today, which is Sunday, April 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern time, breaking down the entire draft. Mark Soap, anything else you want to uh, let the people know about quickly? Uh, the Circa thing, that they were a sponsor. Vegas drafts are awesome. Go do it. Yep. And uh, yeah, so th- just a reminder, we talked about that Circa uh, in Las Vegas, the hotel casino uh, is doing a, a sponsorship where you can, they'll fly your whole league. I'm sure most of you heard that. All right, everybody. Good luck in your rookie drafts. Uh, we'll be back next week, next Friday, this coming Friday with another Dynasty podcast. Until then, good luck in your rookie drafts. Let us know how you do. Doors, doors, the sun goes down on my side of town. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.